Welcome to the Westminster Town Hall Forum, taking place at Westminster Presbyterian Church here in downtown Minneapolis. I am Donald Meisel, moderator of the forum and minister with my colleagues to and with this Center City congregation. We have these forums, which are free and open to the public, on Thursday noon, six to seven to eight times a year. This sanctuary is practically full each time. We gather in person or through Minnesota Public Radio locally or American Public Radio nationwide to hear people of national reputation known to have an ethical cutting edge to their discipline. The second half hour of our time together, we invite our speakers to respond to questions from the floor. And as you can imagine, or as you have experienced, it often proves to be the best and, and most revealing part of the hour. Today we have as guests on our per platform not one person, but three, which is something of a first for us. For one, we have Curtis Sliwa founder of the Guardian Angels. The Guardian Angels are a large group of unarmed volunteers who patrol high crime areas in New York and 46 other cities across the nation. They number some 5,000 people. They move through subways, city streets, suburban malls, even rural jogging trails. Mr. Sliwa is a native of Brooklyn, New York. He is joined here today by his wife, Lisa, who serves as the Guardian Angels National Director. She also works as a fashion model. Now, we would be less than candid if we did not allow that the Guardian Angels, under the Sliwa's leadership, has generated an element of controversy in law enforcement circles. So we have a third guest, Mr. Tony Boza police chief of the city of Minneapolis, who is looking forward to talking with and responding to the Sliwas in this open forum. Mr. Boza has been our chief of police since February of 1980. He came to Minneapolis from New York after a long career with the New York City Police. He has both a serious and delightful reputation for never being at a loss for words. Well, I think it's obvious to all that we have an engaging hour before us. And we're going to start with a statement by Mrs. Sliwa, who will be followed immediately by her husband. Thank you. You <laughs> We'd like to thank the Town Hall Forum for bringing us to Minneapolis. But I think it's fair to tell you, and we should get one thing straight from the very beginning, that the real reason we're here in the Twin Cities is that the guardian angels were called upon to save the ice palace. <laughs> a lot of people ask us questions all the time, like, why do you need a group like the guardian angels here in the Twin Cities or here in other communities that don't have a subway system like New York. 
that don't have the type of crime problems that e make even old ladies feel as if they should walk around with M16s. And I have to draw upon my own experience, having grown up as a suburban princess in one of the most affluent suburbs of Chicago, having spent many summers while I was in school with my family in the not-so-urban Wyzetta, Minnesota, where my childhood experience of crime was my brothers being worried that somebody was going to steal their hockey pucks on Lake Minnetonka, and realizing today that the crime problems that we face in the major cities and the cities that have been known to have crime problems are not something that we can all as Americans just wash our hands of and forget about. Because the fact is there's no place you can run, there's no place that you can hide, especially if you happen to be female in this country, from the threat of violent crime. And whereas in a city like New York or Los Angeles or Chicago, the places where a lot of people would like to get out of if only they could, there the guardian angels are considered radical surgery on a terminally ill patient, where the city is just about on a life support system, where people are trying everything just to be able to get through the day, to make a living, to raise their kids, to hopefully get enough money to move out of there and to move away. Here in Minneapolis, St. Paul, the Twin Cities, and cities that in the past have not been known to have had crime problems, think of the guardian angels as more of a preventative. Don't look to Chicago, don't look to New York, look to the Southwest and to the West and to some of the newer cities where the guardian angels are viewed almost as the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts with the exception that we don't deal, that we deal with crime and that we're out there to help people. Our motto as the guardian angels is not if there's a beef we break teeth and we go out there looking to bust heads. Our motto as guardian angels is we dare to care because in this day and age in our society it has become so unusual for people to lend a helping hand, to extend that helping hand, to jump in, to get involved, to help other people out that when someone does, and if they happen to put on a red beret and a t-shirt, we look at them with skepticism. We look at them and we say, wait a minute, what's, what kind of a scam is this? What kind of a game are they trying to run on me? And yet we have to bring back a little bit of the trust that used to exist amongst us one for another that my grandparents and parents' generation had and realize that the crime problems today are not being caused by senior citizens and senior citizen high-rises coming down to the Nicolette Mall snatching pocketbooks at the bus stops in front of Dayton's. It's by teenagers. It's by young people, most of them under the age of 21. And what are we really doing to counteract that? What are we really doing in terms of pos positive, viable, real-life role models that we can offer young males, young females, blacks, Hispanics, Asians, Native Americans, and whites so that they understand that they're a part of this community? And one of the things I learned about the Twin Cities while my parents were living here was that there's a tremendous amount of civic pride. You know, other cities, people are always they're always talking down about their city and oh the roads are never plowed and the roads are never paved and this is terrible and that's terrible but in Minneapolis and St. Paul people feel very proud of where they live they feel very proud of the community and yet there's a growing element of young people in the Twin Cities 
who feel, for whatever reasons, disenfranchised. They feel locked out of that lifestyle. They can't afford to go fishing in the summer. They can't afford to go skiing in the winter. They really could care less about you or anyone else because they feel no one cares about them. And for those young people, the Guardian Angels offers a way, a program, with a seven-year track record. And you know, despite the controversy, despite the fact that we've been labeled vigilantes, I mean, sometimes I really feel like I'm wearing a bumper sticker that says, I am not a vigilante on my back. The fact is, we have never hurt a single person. Guardian Angels do very, very radical things. We escort elderly people to banks when they get their social security checks. We help handicapped people attend social events and outings. We run food distribution programs in neighborhoods where there are many needy families, households headed by women. They can't get out to food banks to get food. We're involved in many, many other community service activities aside from our crime fighting, and yet the crime fighting is the basis and core. So when you think of guardian angels, don't think, well, you know, we don't have a subway on Hennepin Avenue. Think of the lakes. Think of the public parks. Think of the outdoor lifestyle that people here so wholeheartedly embrace. And think of how much that has changed in the last five years. How now for a woman to go out for a walk around Lake Calhoun or Lake of the Isles, she really has to think twice. Bring a dog or walk with a friend. How many times as women we've walked from this, the shopping mall at Southdale Center or Brookdale Center or Ridgedale Center through those acres and acres of poorly lit parking lots and have just prayed that there was nobody behind the car to jump out at us. How many times we worry about our children while they're at bus stops waiting to be picked up for school. How many times we constantly have to live with that fear. And what we are saying today, Curtis and I, is don't wait until the problem gets so bad. Don't wait until you have to call in the National Guard, the Marines, and everybody else, Sergeant Slaughter and a whole bunch of other people. Don't wait for the problem to get to that point. Take steps now while you can still preserve the lifestyle that you have. And remember that if and when the Guardian Angels establish a group in Minneapolis, it won't be run by New Yorkers. It'll be run by people who were born and raised here. And I believe having lived here, that there are many people who, like ourselves, really dare to care. Thank you very much. I'd like to start off with the notion of individual responsibility. Because I think when you scratch the surface of the concept of guardian angels, which was born in the worst of circumstances, a circumstance in which your very own police chief himself originally came from, you somehow at times get mesmerized and maybe thrown off course into understanding that this is not a new idea, that this is very much an old idea that has been resurrected and as a dinosaur thrown up in a museum slapped with a fresh coat of paint. The ideology for this citizen participation is a throwback to the adages of granddad and grandma, when you didn't need to wear a red beret or flaunt a t-shirt, when you didn't need to be a participant in a block watch or a crime watch. But it appeared to me that in those individual days, people spontaneously, instantaneously, without benefit of training or proper understanding, would morally respond to situations that required them not individually, but in groups.
to get involved. So when people scratch their head and they look upon the guardian angels as some creation of the 80s, you're wrong. In fact, the guardian angels in a city like Minneapolis-St. Paul might be able to address a problem that you share with many other municipalities around the country, the problem of juvenile crime. Now, Chief Boza here will probably pontificate about the values of a crime watch or block watch, and I'll applaud it also, because in terms of citizen participation, it gets a whole host of individuals involved who previously may have been part of the I and me apathetic and indifferent syndrome that plagues America. But the fact of the matter is, any of you who have attended the meetings or participated, haven't you noted that it, its participants are primarily middle-aged, elderly people, lower middle-income, middle-income and affluent peoples, peoples who already have a vital stake in the community, people who themselves are not necessarily the troublemakers to begin with. The Guardian Angels addresses the $1 million talk show host answer. We get involved in that area of a city, in that area of a community where most social service programs have failed, where most organized attempts through federal subsidies or state or city funds have failed to be able to address the needs of the growing juvenile delinquency problem. In the 80s, the apathetic and indifferent times that we live, unfortunately, the most striking attempt to mesmerize young people has come out of the boob tube. Television has become their universal religion. The role models that you see proliferate out of those so-called celluloid heroes are not necessarily those that you'd want your own sons and daughters to emulate, never mind the rest of the populace. When you have role models out there of such a wide variety as a Madonna who proves to all young ladies that to get to the top, you've got to be good at the bottom. To individuals such as a boy George in their artistic endeavors who sometimes one wonders if they're human or frozen vegetable to an individual like Richard Pryor who f blows him up freebasing cocaine and for the benefit of ending up in an emergency ward of a hospital for literally being a Herkimer jerk we put him on the front covers of Time, Newsweek, Ebony, Jet Magazine and give him a Saturday morning cartoon series to boot now, it's true, these are not the criminals. These are not the ones who are out there beating, raping, and savaging. But it gets back to the notion of individual responsibility. Because as we've traveled this country and walked the paths of the downtrodden, the impoverished, the inner cities, out to the affluent shopping malls and the residential sprawling co-op and condominium complexes that proliferate all over the map, there is one common denominator. We have created excusisms for the commission of crime. If it is the young men and women who are sons and daughters of doctors and lawyers and the affluent, who have alligators, Izogs stamped all over their body, and a Maserati in the driveway as a bribery in junior and high school to get through to college, they use the excuse mechanism that they vandalized, they abused, they violated civil rights because they were doing it for kicks. They were born. The sons and daughters, daughters of the blue-collar working middle class who may have a part-time job at a McDonald's in Burger King while going to school rationalize their breaking and enterings and burglaries because they wanted to see Springsteen at the Metrodome on Friday, go to the new club out in the suburbs opening up on Saturday, and go cruising with Betty Lou in the jalopy on Sunday.
Now, years ago, there was the time-honored tradition of scrimping and saving and waiting for the abided time before you would purchase something that you would want. But in our day and time of my generation, where leisure time is not thought of as a benefit, but a virtuous right, the middle-class young people themselves have become at times modern-day barbarians parading around those suburbs and literally creating mayhem in what once was palatial retreats. And then I love those inner-city youths. Oh, they know how to drag out the Philharmonic Orchestra and bring tears to an alligator. They'll stand there on the corner, and here Dan Rather will come with a film crew, and immediately the song and dance routine, you don't know what it's like, it's so hard to get a job. I mean, I gotta support the wife and the kids. Uh, how many old ladies and how many kids fly guy with the Playboy stamped all over your hat? Freeze frame that camera for a second. Talk about being poor and impoverished. Wait a second. Aren't those Air Jordan sneakers that I saw being sold in the mall for $100 a pair? Creased Jordan's jeans going at $50 off the rack. Gold and silver medallions. Smoked open hope. And you're telling me that you're impoverished and suffering? It doesn't seem to inspire imageries of granddad and grandma, whether black, white, or in between, who during a time of the Depression, when there was no greater necessity in America to commit crime to survive, and yet most got online orderly for a bowl of soup and a piece of stale bread, and we didn't see them as huckleberries crawling through your window, raping, savaging, beating, and acting as those modern-day barbarians. No. We as a society are guilty. We have created the excuse mechanism for a wide variety of human rights violations. I dare say in the streets of Minneapolis today or St. Paul, we could best rally people to fight against the improprieties in the human rights violations in El Salvador, in South Africa, in Iran, in Haiti. But we refuse to look in our own backyards, where in many of our major American cities, we are under siege, under wartime conditions, where 500, 1,000 murders a year are commonplace, and yet we'd rather point the finger at others. So now, how does the guardian angels address this situation? Well, number one, there's an instantaneous infusion, a visual deterrent. We look like a bunch of poppin' fresh Pillsbury doughboys and doughgirls out there in the red berets and t-shirts. We are a visual walking warning that crime time is no time. Because aside from just reporting what we see, if we see these huckleberries committing crimes that are serious in nature where we can place them under citizen's arrest, we enact that right that we all have in this audience and all citizens in America have. But most importantly, and this is what you need to look out for, you have seen the beginnings of a gang problem. Unfortunately, Minneapolis, like Indianapolis, like Gary, Indiana, like St. Louis, like Des Moines, like Omaha, you live in the shadow of Chicago, a city with an ominous gang track record dating back to Al Capone, who most recently have their own recreations in groups like the Vice Lords, the Disciples, the El Rukins. And many of your inner city youths are fascinated by those tales that come out of the big time Chi-Town. And they revel and get a vicarious thrill out of the thought that they themselves can gain that same type of recognition and attention. And you have seen the beginnings, the vestiges of gang activity. Are you going to sit back and say, well, they need jobs, they need more basketball hoops, we need more youth centers. Forget about it. 
Ronnie's giving you the signals out of Washington. Forget it. He's interested in more bombs to blow more people away to smithereens. So while we all wait, So while some of us would prefer to wait for that great white knight on that great white stallion who's going to come in and slay the evil social service problems that are plaguing us all, I would prefer to, prefer to utilize a little bit of old mom and dad's remedy. They envisioned creating a better life for their children's children. They fought the social service battles, the civil rights battles. Many of them gave of their own lives. Some came to this country against their will and chains and shackles. Others came freely of their will, seeking greater economic, religious, and political freedoms. It would seem to me that as a young generation, with many problems rising out of our turbulent era, that we have a moral responsibility for having forced so many of our granddads and grandmas to put bars on their windows, locks on their doors, and turn Fido from the friend of man into the killer of man to give back a little bit of what we've all been given, to live up to the virtues and the adages that America is the land of the free and the home of the brave. If we're good enough to send young boys off to foreign ports of call to give their life in the name of freedom, and what about in our own backyard to ensure the freedoms and the civil rights of the masses who are not violating anybody else but becoming victims by the few who seem to indiscriminately prey upon us? So I dare say as a volunteer organization, it's not going to cost you a nickel, dime, or penny. That will consist of your very own sons and daughters and some middle-aged and elderly people too. That is more than willing to work with the police in cooperation in whatever manner, shape, or form that the police chief and his subordinates so wish. What do you have to lose? You see the problem. There are no clear solutions. So I dare say if I were that brainiac in that laboratory right now concocting different chemical solutions to the problem, one of the fixtures I'd at least try is the guardian angels. Because if anything else, this is the payback to all those older folks, all those past generations who gave so much for their children's children. Don't you think it's time for the child of those children's children to pay back that debt and that's exactly what we hope to do. Thank you. We turn now to our chief of police, Tony Boza. I couldn't help but take note of Ziggy's cartoon this morning. I didn't know whether you had anything to do with the choice of it, but it shows Ziggy standing on the street corner and a police car, squad cars going by, and on the side it says, we are the police, not you. <laughs> we now listen to a man who also dares to care, and we look forward to his insights in this, in this uh, dialogue. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, I will try to be brief. Uh, Reverend Meisel said uh, I was looking forward to this. Uh, he's crazy. Uh, 
And uh, no one who, who has seen Twin Cities Live this morning or who has just heard Lisa and Curtis would be looking forward to responding to them in any sense except to applaud and to say right on and how wonderful they are. And uh, it falls to my task, I think, to, uh, to uh, talk about some doubts. So thank God Lisa came here, otherwise we would be looking at a New York plot. Uh, <laughs> I, will, uh, I will dispute Curtis very strongly on one point, and that is that the one thing I will not do in Westminster Presbyterian Church is pontificate. Uh, that, is, uh, that strikes me as a very dangerous thing to do here. <clears throat> I, uh, I feel very much like the Grinch who stole Christmas uh, and having to respond. Uh, uh, do we have a crime problem? Obviously, yes. Uh, the mayor of the city, Mayor Fraser, has made youth the number one uh, priority for his next administration. He obviously sees a very serious uh, youth problem involving criminality, unemployment, lack of education, and all the other problems uh, besetting our society. Do we need citizen involvement? Absolutely. The idea that the police chiefs all over this country have been saying, leaving it, leave it to us, uh, we are the professionals, is an absurdity. We need citizen participation. We need citizen involvement. I applaud it, and I welcome it, and I will work with it. And I'm not here, fundamentally, to debate Curtis and, and Lisa Sliwa. Uh, I'm here really fundamentally in a search for truth. I think we ought to be groping introspectively for truth and trying to come up with some answers and perhaps asking some tough questions. I must parenthetically add that I have never seen anybody as skilled in dealing with the media as Curtis Lewa, and Lisa has learned very well, so I feel myself uh, kind of a flyweight being thrown in with heavyweights, but uh, I'm going to stagger. I'm going to stagger dumbly about and see if, uh, if uh, you can land an occasional lucky punch. My uh, guess is that with professionals, you cannot. I've never seen better. But there are dangers here, dangers of simple solutions to complex problems, dangers of demagoguery. I, I don't know of any chief of police in the United States that runs a more aggressive agency than I do. We have seen debates in this city about uh, decoys, about Last year we made a record number of arrests. I believe in arrests. I believe in citizen involvement. I believe in being impatient with criminals and bums on the street and attacking them vigorously, but legally. And you may not suspend anybody's rights, not even a criminal's, as you attack them and, and recognize them for the bums that they are. But even when dealing with bums, we ought to know where they came from and we ought to understand our own complicity in shaping their lives and how social and economic policies help to shape those lives rather than playing upon the public fears and engaging in what are fundamentally simple and superficial and fascist solutions to complex social problems that are not going to give way before these simple solutions quite that easily. I regret the reflexive uh, resistance of officialdom to the guardian angels. I think they ought to be welcomed and they ought to be given a chance and that has been my posture. I ask questions, is it a publicity hoax? This is at least the fourth experience I have had with the guardian angels in this city. First, they asked to meet with me. I met with them. We had a long discussion and plans, and the, and the media went crazy, as they're going crazy today. And I never saw them again, and they left a telephone number that I never encountered and, and, uh, and uh, couldn't uh, contact. Then they, then they came in another time, another whirlwind tour, press conferences, uh, television, uh, forums, uh, a lot of excitement. Never heard from them again. Third time didn't show up at all, and here we are again, Twin Cities Live this morning, good company, Westminster Forum, God knows what else. What's, 
I am tempted to paraphrase one of the greatest living Americans uh, uh, who ran for president of the United States and lost. Where's the beef? Uh, where is the performance? Uh, we need all the help we can get. I welcome it. I support it. I, I, uh, well, I'm asking where are we going to be tomorrow. It happens that in this audience today we have the president, uh, the chief of police of the auxiliary police, 200 volunteers of this city who give thousands and thousands of hours all over this city. Ron Perry is sitting right there. Thousands and thousands of hours, every Metrodome event, out there, every civic event, every parade, all the Aquitennial, they're out there, they're not before the cameras. It's not a publicity stunt. I, I wonder what part of it is publicity and what part of it is performance. What part is, is substance and what part is uh, reality. We have all become creatures of the media. Is, our, is American reality now to be only the things that we see when the lights go on and the television cameras were? Uh, Ron Perry wouldn't think so. He's out there working and performing. We have civilian heroes that we commend for their involvement. Joe Smith, uh, inter interrupting a rape and arresting the rapist, a uh, 62-year-old man coming to their rescue. We have also in this audience uh, the executive director of the Community Crime Prevention Agency, Lucy Gerald, that uh, helps us to organize block clubs, neighborhood watch, uh, citizen participation, citizen involvement. Do we need citizen participation? Yes. Should we be impatient with the criminals? Absolutely. Should we be tough on criminals? Yes. But it is a fact that the guardian angels have, as by their own admissions this morning on television, they have been arrested many times. You cannot break the law, whether you're a cop or a civilian, in order to enforce it. They get a great deal of publicity, and I haven't seen the performance. I worry about the source of funds. Mrs. Slewer is, uh, is contemplating a career as a lady wrestler. God bless her and good luck to her. And I hope that I spend uh, the rest of my life watching uh, women as beautiful and, and talented as she on television. But is this a vehicle for that career, or is it reality? Uh, do we, uh, what are the numbers? Where's the beef? Where's the substance? Where's the performance? We do have a serious youth problem. We ought to be arresting <clears throat> the bums, but we also ought to be asking where they're coming from. If America does not resolve the question of the growing ignorance, impoverishment, and unemployment of youth, the alienation of the homeless and the mentally ill and the, and the drunk and the psychotic, and uh, begin to assimilate the blacks into the, middle, uh, into the mainstream of American economic life, we are certainly headed for disaster. And the fact that criminality exists and a, and a very serious criminality exists in the New York subway system and elsewhere in this nation, and hopefully when we build a subway on Hennepin Avenue, we can keep the graffiti and the criminals out of there. But the fact that it exists doesn't mean that we should not be attacking crime as a symptom of, of deep-rooted societal problems, but we should also recognize the disease. And the disease requires a patient, long-suffering effort to create jobs, and to, to, to find educational opportunities and inclusion for a growing underclass that we are creating. And if we don't recognize our responsibility in that connection, we are going to give way to the kind of fascist solutions. And my judgment, what we have seen today, is a skillful example in demagoguery at its classical best. And, I, and that is dangerous. As a 57-year-old man who has spent 33 years in law enforcement, I am not saying, don't try the guardian angels. I'm saying, yes, we welcome you to Minneapolis. We want to work with you. We want to see what you, what you can perform. 
You're going to be asked to observe the law as you, as you enforce it, and, but we will work with you and we will welcome you within the structure, but we are not going to give way to fascist solutions. We are not going to break the law in order to enforce it. We are not going to divest criminals of their rights in order to, to enforce the law illegally because that makes us no better than the criminals that we chase. The reality is that it is a very complex question and I'm glad to have had the opportunity this morning to address some of the complexities behind the question and look forward to a continuing discussion uh, through the question and answer forum. Thank you very much. Let me remind our radio audience that uh, we are halfway through our program and also our live audience to the end that those of you who must leave uh, may do so. Before saying another word, I want to thank these three exceedingly caring and articulate and uh, compassionate and impassioned people for what they've shared with us in these last few minutes. Let me remind the radio audience that we have just heard in, in the order of appearance, uh, Lisa Sliwa, who is uh, uh, national coordinator of the Guardian Angels, then Curtis Sliwa, the founder of Guardian Angels, and then Tony Boza, our own chief of police. We do want at this time also to thank again the James A. Thorpe Foundation for their part in uh, bringing these participants to town. I'm Donald Meisel, minister of this church and moderator of the forum. Now, we're ready to gather those questions, uh, ready for those who must leave to do so. Uh, I wonder if this begin, as this begins to happen, if we might not, in all fairness, ask either of our two guests from New York whether they wish to respond to any of the things that uh, the, the chief has just said. I don't know about you, but I heard a very uh, inflammatory catchword being used, although not directly attached to us, fascist. I heard fascist quite a few times. And I'd like to inform the police chief that such liberal thinkers as Mario Cuomo, as Henry Cisernos, who almost became a vice president candidate, the mayor of San Antonio, have embraced the guardian angel concept before it became very chic or popular. Mario Cuomo, when he was lieutenant governor of the state of New York in 1979, and the mayor of San Antonio before we had even organized in his city, and I had never heard pour from their lips implications that possibly, uh, you know, fascist overtones exist. I'm somewhat offended by that because in seven years history, we have organized in 60 American cities, four in Canada, one in Mexico. And although there are certain catchwords like vigilantes, fascism, and a whole host of others, the fact of the matter is when you scratch the surface, who has been injured by the guardian angels? Whose rights have been interfered with? In close to over 700 citizens' arrests that we've made across the breadth of this country, 
There has never been a guardian angel arrested for having improperly detained a suspect or using excessive physical force. You've seen, you've seen those individuals in three-piece suits who chase ambulances all day and go to funerals at night, passing out their hand cards, ready to file litigation against anyone, and we've never been threatened with a lawsuit. We've buried three guardian angels. Do you think that's a publicity ploy? Three guardian angels who gave of their life, one of them who was shot down by a Newark police officer, and we nary received an apology, any regrets on their part. It's almost as if they were somewhat happy at the fact that a guardian angel, while coming to the aid of a citizen, was gunned down by one of the, the types of people who took the test to quote unquote, be the best in cold-blooded murder, shooting down a guardian angel. There's a question addressed to you, uh, Ms. Sliwa. Do you recommend that women resist an attempted rapist? I'm, I don't think I, I shouldn't read what's in brackets. Would you demonstrate using our moderator as a model? Let's, <laughs> let's uh, skip that. You want to pass on? Wait a minute, I think we should, don't no. you ladies? <laughs> I think perhaps we don't want to get into demonstration, but just a the word question. about the basic question. <laughs> <laughs> I advocate what I call hit-and-run techniques. I think that there's too much advice being given to women from men on how to defend themselves. A lot of those men have guns at their waist, they have a gun at their ankle, and they don't follow that advice. And I think that while there's one extreme that says, give in, do what the criminal says, I reject that because why would you place your trust in some subhuman species who has no respect for life, no respect for property. I think that as women, we have to have the same way you don't wear a bikini to a wedding, the same way you don't wear an evening gown out to the beach. We have to have a whole wardrobe of options, of ways of dealing with everything from sexual harassment to rape. And I think that one of the first places to start, instead of teaching us volleyball in high school, teach us how to defend ourselves so we can really compete with men on an equal basis. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Perhaps uh, both groups represented here can respond. What can I do to help? Can I be a volunteer in Minneapolis, be it as a guardian angel or one of those groups that you described, uh, Chief Buoza? Would you perhaps begin? How does one become involved in some of these uh, well, uh, civilian groups? I think we, we have here a wonderful classical example of straw man reasoning because Curtis is responding as if we were resisting the idea of guardian angels in Minneapolis. In fact, we are not. We welcome them and are open to them, uh, and, uh, but I think that he has a vested interest in the idea of suggesting that there is opposition. There isn't. I want to see what happens when the lights go out and the cameras go down. The reality also is that they have been arrested many times uh, for, uh, for uh, supposedly for commissions of crimes uh, in, the, in their activities, and I want to make very clear that no one enforces the law here illegally in this state that if you enforce the law, you must do it within the rubric of that law. I agree with, uh, with Lisa that, uh, that young women must have, uh, or all women, must have a variety of op options uh, in terms of dealing with an attack, and, um, and I think that her approach is the correct one, that, that you can fight when you can, resist when you can, fight or flight when you have to, 
or submit uh, when there is no choice. Uh, so there, have, there is no one uh, simple solution. But in terms of citizen involvement, I believe in the existentialist message. We must all come to each other's assistance. Joe Smith is a paradigm of, what, of the kind of behavior we want to see on channel, we saw it on channel four, a 62 year old man who came to the defense of a citizen, participate in the auxiliary police, participate in the guardian angels. There's no resistance to the idea, but I want it to be structured, I want it to be legal, I want it to be accountable, and I want it to be uh, visible, and I want it to exist, because up to now it has been an ephemeral dream, and anybody can throw uh, figures and, uh, and uh, things uh, and accusations about. There is a good deal of publicity attendant upon it. There are uh, controversies surrounding the, uh, the raising of their funds. And the members, and Curtis himself has been arrested, uh, he said hundreds of times this morning. I was surprised to discover that. I, thought, I didn't think it was hundreds of times, but I, I'm pretty sure he himself has been arrested. And I would like to, to know the answers to these questions. What are the realities? Yeah. Well, oh, all right. Could uh, we not have uh, voluntary comments from the I, I, I was just going to say, since the arrest, you notice how the police chief ducked it. He didn't say for breaking and entering, rape. It was for civil disobedience because we were protesting against police chiefs and mayors who wouldn't give us an opportunity to set up in their city. More than likely, I think he's afraid that we may one day end up in the same jail cell as his wife in this city for protesting against the same thing. While you're on your feet, could you respond, is there a Guardian Angels group in the Twin Cities or is there going to be and how does one become related to it? There's been interest in both cities, St. Paul and Minneapolis, to establish a group, enough interest for us to move ahead. We've had the organizational problems because of the nook of the North weather. This is not the most appropriate time of year to organize. I blame myself for having almost triggered that decision too quick, not realizing the kind of problems we were going to roll into. But we are intent on pursuing the interest. There are public forums and surveys that we are going to have to distribute about the city. If there are people who are interested, we have a national headquarters that disseminates information. And I'm sure afterwards we'd be more than happy to speak with anybody about a need for information or a need in terms of interest of joining in either city. Thank you. The next question centers on the emerging gang problem, and I know there's debate as to the extent of it in this community, but the question is, how do you uh, propose that we manage it? And the, the question is addressed both to you, sir, and you, so. Well, I think we have to take a two-pronged approach to a very serious youth problem in this city. We have a lot of kids all dressed up with no place to go who are uh, functional illiterates in the main, unemployable, uh, products of single-parent families, teenage pregnancies. These are complex social problems, and nobody wants to hear that anymore. Everybody says, well, why don't you just incinerate them, uh, take your trusty flamethrower to the corner and, uh, and uh, burn them up. Uh, there are two ways. One, uh, to the challenge of criminality has got to be met very directly, and there are task forces and a lot of police involvement in assessing the, uh, the extent and nature of the danger and moving very vigorously and aggressively to attack it. Uh, there is no reason to tolerate criminal behavior, and we ought to arrest the criminals where, where they commit their crimes and investigate these cases. Uh, but uh, behind that lies a much more serious problem, uh, the problem of, uh, of a marching army of youth who are excluded, disaffected, illiterate, unemployed, who, are, who represent a very serious threat, and 
And the long-term answer to that is tougher and better education, the possibility of jobs, words of a demagogue uh, that isn't going to uh, work. If, they have, if guardian angels have been arrested in enforcement of the law, they are engaging in fascist tactics, as police would be if they engaged in the, so, those same tactics. I insist that every person involved be a servant of the law, not its master. And if those are fascist tactics, or demagoguery, or vigilantism, I will label them, uh, label them as such. Yes, Curtis, would you like to respond about uh, the gang scene? Two decades ago, big, bad, tough Dick Daly in Chicago had a growing gang problem. And he opted, in, in some response, to take Chief Boza's measures and consider them depraved youth in need of job training, education. And remember how they embraced them and they got federal grants out of Washington for the uh, Blackstone Peace Nation, peace, get that, Peace Nation. And they were on Ed Sullivan, remember, singing Christmas carols and padding their pockets like any two-bit mafia scallywags might do, fleecing the public treasury. And you know what they used for that money? They used it to feed their veins and arteries that any gang would do from the board of directors, remember, uh, Elliot Ness and the Untouchables, you know, Frank Nitty and the board while they were waiting for Capone to break out off the rock. That's what they hope to emulate. When you set up meetings with them, when you give them a vicarious thrill and pump them up with an ego, you just proliferate the problem. Your recent statistics note an increase in car thefts. One of the lifelines of gangs. Steal the cars, bring them off to the chop shops, that's a flow of dollars. The dope trade feeds them. And don't think that it's education or jobs alone. How are you going to convince them to get an education when they're making $500, $1,000 a day pumping dope into the veins of the younger men and women in this community? No, it's not quite that easy. I say deal with them firmly and fairly but it's got to be dealt with also at the community level. We can't be turning our eyes and ears to it, and we've got to be forcing them to take individual responsibility for their actions. They're smart enough to talk their way out of it. I think they should be smart enough to accept, accept what will take place if they decide to take a course of crime. And remember, like Mom used to always say, there's a price to pay for everything in life. If you're going to be a criminal, there's a price to pay there too. Lisa, perhaps you'd be willing to uh, inform us. What does the insignia on the Guardian Angels t-shirt stand for? The insignia on the Guardian Angels t-shirt is, it's a white t-shirt with a red insignia name on the front and on the back. We have the name Guardian Angels Safety Patrol, and then we have our logo, which consists of wings to show that we fly to the need of anyone who needs our help, that we'll go anywhere, that we're not afraid to go anywhere. We have the all-seeing eye from the back of the dollar bill to show that it's neither a male eye nor a female eye. It's just the, a human eye that we're out there watching out, looking out for people. And that's just, we have the shield around the eye as a shield for protection. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's very lucid. Perhaps while you're on your feet, how did you two meet and marry? <laughs> you had to ask that, right? <laughs> I'll blame that on these two guys in the front. <laughs> no, we met through the Guardian Angels. I got involved in the martial arts because I was terrified having been a suburban princess 
that I did not know how to handle the streets of New York. Mm -hmm. And then I joined the Guardian Angels and for about the first two years, Curtis and I barely spoke to each other because we did not get along. And then after Atlanta in 1981, when I took a group of Guardian Angels down at the height of the murders of the black children there, we came to realize that we had a lot more in common than I thought we did. <laughs> so I was a nice girl. I gave up my wasp last name and took his Polish last name. <laughs> Thank you. This is for both of you. How do you make joining the guardian angels more appealing than gangs to the young people you hope to reach? So you're going to make a choice. Either one, both. Oh, God. <laughs> one of the things I think when we're talking about youth programs and how to reach young people is that you'll see again in a lot of crime watch and block watch organizations, it tends to be adults, it tends to be middle-aged people. You don't see too many young people, teenagers or people in their 20s involved in it. And in terms of the getting people to join the guardian angels, it's really not a problem. The problem for us is sifting through the pool of applicants to make sure that we get the right type of individual. And I think here again our focus as you know on the community level has got to be not so much on the hardcore offenders these people who are already have you know visiting groups that go in and try and play Beethoven to them in their jail cell with the hope that it's going to re, uh, rehabilitate them our focus has to be on these young people who are in those communities who are affected by these negative role models and offer them an alternative and in the guardian angels they see a reflection of themselves a male a female who looks like them who acts like them who lives in the same community somebody with whom they can identify so for us the problem is not getting the people to join the problem is making sure we have the proper membership and that they're properly trained mm -hmm. thank you thank you Chief uh, Boza, perhaps you'd respond to this, and then if, uh, if uh, our other guests feel differently or want to amplify, fine. What's the best thing for people to do to protect home and family? The best thing for people to do to protect home and family, I think, uh, requires a, uh, a variety of, uh, of strategies. <clears throat> uh, neighborhood watch, block clubs, looking after your neighbor, being concerned. Uh, uh, the, f the fact of the matter is we're watching a very interesting exercise. Part of the Sliwa strategy has got to be to attack the bureaucracy, much as Reagan got into the government by attacking the government, and uh, attacking uh, obdurate officialdom, and so you see us all stuffy bureaucrats uh, having to get up here to get battered and beaten, uh, and it's a very wonderful message. The reality is that everything they say is true. We need individual responsibility, we need to, community involvement, we need to look after our neighbors, we need neighborhood watch, we need block clubs. My only concern is that the, all of this be done legally, within the law, without demagoguery, and that the question still has not been answered, what about the arrests, what about uh, the sources of funds, what about the publicity, are we going to see a chapter in Minneapolis after they have left? Uh, and I, I did not speak of depraved youth, although I'm sure that we have some. I spoke of deprived uh, youth. I don't know what uh, Mayor Daly spoke of. But I think it's very easy to engage in this kind of straw man reasoning. It, but I also think it is very dangerous because it tempts us to simple answers to complex, solution, uh, to complex problems that are not going to give way to simple answers. By all means, let's have... Uh, guardian angels and citizen patrols and auxiliary police and neighborhood block clubs and neighborhood watches and care for our neighbors but let's make certain that it is done within the rubric of a democratic state 
not in, through fascist methods. I think that that is an important uh, consideration. Curtis? Well, I'm glad Chief Bowser didn't mention uh, if you have a problem in your house, safety for your person or property, call the police because you know you'd have better luck calling, calling the coffee and donut stand to get response there. No. So I'm glad he, he, didn't, he didn't make reference to that because, see, that's part of the problem. Part of the very system that we depend on, whether it's the criminal justice system, which for many people appears to give justice only to the criminals and not to the victims, to a police department that has added more and more responsibility onto itself and almost become a political wing of the government, in many instances, literally campaigning amongst the citizenry, explaining to them how they are providing service, I think there's one point we can all agree on here today. I think the Guardian Angels is nonsense. I think Crime Watch and Block Watch is nonsense. I think raising taxes to provide more public safety is nonsense because what it indicates is that we have all abrogated our responsibility to community to protect one another. The danger in America today is that we are leaving it up to the individual to decide how to protect themselves. In one case, for you it may be an Uzi submachine gun, for you it may be passive, be like Gandhi, roll over and not resist at all. But there is an implicit danger in that when we leave it totally to the individual. So what I am advocating is that the guardian angels not be the panacea not be the all-consuming answer to, as Chief Boza indicates, very many intricate and very serious problems, but that this might set the trend, the pattern, be an example of what people should be doing away from a set organization. If we can make the role model effect, if we can once again make it very fashionable, chic, trendy, as it was during the Depression years, during Granddad and Grandma's years, to instinctively and universally get involved together. And you know how easily that can be done, based on our media-oriented generation that Chief Bowser speaks about every two other seconds. The fact of the matter is, if we would have suddenly, in this new generation, build within them a foundation, that makes it attention-getting and riveting and recognition-receiving for helping people, for doing it in droves, in mass, we can suddenly distort what has now become a spiraling juvenile delinquency problem and make it just as chic and fashionable as Madonna singing about what it's like to have been a virgin at the age of three, because we know she wasn't after four of a Michael Jackson or a Boy George or a Prince or half a dozen other Herkimer jerks who because they can play a guitar suddenly become some kind of role model for our kids, I would much rather have an emphasis on the average, everyday, ordinary young man or woman in the community who I think I and Chief Bowser can agree are not criminals, are not dope peddlers, flesh peddlers, are quiet, reserved to themselves but they're not getting attention and recognition. Let's face it, the reason we've received attention and recognition is we are perceived of as being controversial. If there was no controversy in the Guardian Angels, all of you would probably not be here today. We have got to begin giving the same amount of attention and recognition to those things that originally we thought were fuddy-duddy, 
old fashioned, uncool, unhip, and untrendy. And if we balance it out with all the slime and grime that's being diverted towards us, I think it will go in the long term a long way better into patching up and healing our society, which let's face it, right now is fluff and puff, hippy dippy way out there in another solar system if you're a young person growing up because your readily identifiable role models are few and far in between. Lisa, this question is addressed to you, and we are uh, coming close to our uh, timeline. What is the role for women in guardian angels, and can they become leaders in the group? Well, uh, you're, uh, you have a leadership role, certainly. The role for women in the guardian angels is the same as that for men, except that the women do a better job. <laughs> and we have women go through the same training to become guardian angels. About one out of six of our 5,000 members throughout the 60 cities in the United States and four in Canada and Mexico, about one out of six of our members are female. About one out of three of our leaders are women which goes to prove what I've believed all along. I've never wanted to be equal to a man because for me that's taking a step down. So women are a very important part. <laughs> we could have a profitable entire afternoon together. <laughs> but I think we are drawing toward that time when we must uh, say goodbye, at least for the nonce. I do remind our radio audience that they have been hearing the Westminster Town Hall Forum originating from Westminster Presbyterian Church here in downtown Minneapolis. The theme that has brought us together, crime, a citizen's response. And we've heard eloquently from, we've heard eloquent statements, impassioned statements, thoughtful statements from the Sliwas, Curtis, the founder, Mrs. Lee's Mrs. Sliwa, Lisa, who is, has an important role in that organization as well, and our own vital Chief of Police, Tony Boza. Uh, as uh, Chief of Police Boza and I were uh, waiting in my study just before uh, uh, our other guests came, he said, you must feel like a referee at a prize fight or getting ready to be one. And he said, and I feel like a sacrificial lamb. Well, <laughs> uh, anything but, uh, this has been a different forum in the sense that ordinarily we don't try uh, to, you know, bring all the opinions to bear, but just give a, uh, a, a given group or person a chance to express and then respond through our questions. So this has been different, but it's, it's been exciting, it's been worthwhile, and we are indebted to these people uh, who each, in their way, uh, dare to care about very important issues in our society, and so all of us. We thank you. Thank you.